Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. Can I help you with faith today? Faith is not the name of a woman, although it is. But I want to talk about faith is progressive. Faith, I said, is progressive. Faith is something that you must have to please God. How many brought a Bible? I still like to use the analog. When the digital goes down, the analog, I can still open it up. Amen. But more importantly, when you hide the word of God in your heart, you don't sin against God. So the word is to be hidden in your heart. And I'm going to tell you what faith is today in a very simple... I was asking the Lord about faith. And I said, how can I get it across to people about faith? Because we know and we hear about faith. Faith is an action, not a mental assent. Faith starts by hearing the word of God. Faith can't come until you hear the word of God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Number one, you have to believe that there is a God and that he is a rewarder, not a penalizer. God wants to reward you. Say that. God wants and is waiting to reward me. But he can't do it until I show him faith. See, we've preached about this God who's waiting to penalize us and to judge us and to send us to hell. God will send no person to hell. People choose to go to hell. The only person God's going to send to hell is the hell he made it, made it for was the devil and his angels. If you go to hell, you go as an intruder, not a welcome guest, and God will not send anybody to hell. He sent Jesus to save you from destruction. For God so loved the world, love is at the base of faith. Faith works by love, the Bible says. Faith works by love. So if your love's not right, your faith won't be right. If your love for yourself is not right, your love for man can't be right. Therefore, your love for God can't be right. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love always gives. Love doesn't take. Love gives. Can you say praise God? Can you say hallelujah? Oh, lift your hand and say love always gives. Praise God. All Americans, sorry. <laughs> I don't know what the exchange rate is, but I think it's good for us. Amen. The Lord showed me this. He said, that will never be a giving $20 bill like that. That's the position of receiving. So everybody's got this before God. Gimme, 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 gimme. So when I took the church I'm at now, he said, I want you to teach us people how to give. And not just to missions, but to the community. So we started 
giving money and we started paying for things for our public school right up the road from the church. We did landscaping around that school because it was an outlying, uh, outlining school in the county. So we put new shrubs in, we cut the grass, we did edging and we did mulching. And then we put a sound system in the little, it's a, it doubles up as a cafeteria and auditorium. So we put a sound system in for the little programs. We paid the bill. And when they go on a field trip, we pick up the tab for the kids to eat. Public school, where they don't want the church to come in with their gospel. So I come in with my money. And the Lord said, even the world will receive your money and your money will open the door for the gospel. I had one little boy come up to me. Uh, I came in to video uh, one of their little plays. I don't know if it was Christmas. Some little boy come up to me and goes, are you rich? And I didn't know how to respond. At first I said, I, well, I'm not going to be false. I'm not going to be this fault to me. I said, yes, I am. He goes, I thought so. I was just confirming what he thought. For whatever reason, he's ne he, would never, he was never around me. But I thought, well, what am I supposed to say? He said, tell him you are, because I made you rich. Hallelujah. See, with false humility, religious spirits always deny the blessing of God. Because we don't want to make people feel bad about our blessing. Therefore, we, <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I am redeemed. I'm saved. I'm saying so. Amen. When I ask you your name, you're going to say what your name is because it's on a birth certificate. Your parents gave it to you. And unless you change it legally, it's still your name. So it's not a proud, arrogant statement to say what your name is when someone asks you, what's your name? Oh, well, I don't want to embarrass you by saying my name is Bill and yours is John. And, you know, and Bills are always better than John. No, we're not saying that. We're just stating the truth. There's a difference between facts and truth. The fact was I was a, a sinner. I was born into sin. But the truth is I received the way, the truth, and the life, whose name is Jesus, and he changed me from a sinner to a saint, a child of God. So the truth is greater than the facts. Well, my doctor said, yeah, who's your doctor? Dr. Bimbatsa. No, my doctor is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. Nothing wrong with going to an earthly doctor because they have all kinds of technology to help you understand what you're dealing with or what's going on with the blood. But understand this. Your true doctor is God through Christ Jesus. Jesus died that you might be healed from your sicknesses. You don't have to put up with it. You speak to it. So getting back to this giving thing. So the Lord said, Hold out your hand. See, you're ready to receive, and I already got something, so nothing's happening here. Nothing is happening positive here, except that I've got $20 in my hand. And the Lord told me, he says, show the people this. He said, even gravity will help you give. And that's for giving me a water before I get up here. Just to say, God bless you. You see how that worked? Put something in your hand, and when you turn it, some people, I'm not turning it over. I need it. I need it. And God says, seed it. Don't need it. 
So when you do this, you seed. And then comes the mighty multiplication of the harvest. I'm going to tell you what faith is because you do it every day. You know why the world out there is so successful in a lot of their businesses? Because they are implementing the faith principle and they don't even know it. And you try to teach it to people in the church and they won't even receive it. Some people say, well, you know what? Money's not everything. No, but it is something. Don't insult money or money will insult you. Everybody say amen. <laughs> is everybody here? Winning with words and the kingdom of God in words. You do nothing in this earth without speaking. Nothing. They even have people that read body language. So even your body is speaking. But your words, everybody say words. Here's what I wrote down not long ago. Never change your doctrine to accommodate your problem or pain. That's why you have different denominations of people with different doctrines is because they change the doctrine of the Bible to, to accommodate their problems, their sin, and their pain. Don't do it. For, the Bible says in Psalm 119.89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God's word is truth. It's absolute. It cannot be altered. Whether you like it or not, it's the truth. Amen. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Why? Because I spoke something and I'll hold to it. And when you sin, you can run to my son who is the way, the truth, and the life. And he can turn your lie into a truth if you'll just confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and bring you into the truth that is absolute. Raise your hand and say, we're going to start walking in the absolute truth in Hamilton, Ontario. And it's time to stand up and fight with the word of truth. Can you say praise God? Amen. I said amen. Now, did God create the heavens and the earth? Ten times in the Bible, of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and God said or God called something ten times. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. The power of his words brought something into being that never was. And the Bible also says, I'm going to give you scripture. God speaks and things happen. Now, when you receive Christ as your Savior, who is the, who is he? He is the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when Jesus spoke the word, it became truth. Unchangeable truth. Can you say praise God? Now I said, Lord, give me a parable about faith that everybody that I speak to, even children, will understand this. He said, okay, I'll give you a parable. Because we always talk about parables in the Bible. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted seed. Remember that? So who was he talking to? He was talking to farmers. Most of us aren't farmers. 
But he said, I'm going to give you one. He says, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. He said, tell him that faith is like Tim Horton's drive-thru. McDonald's drive-thru. And he started giving it to me. He says, what happens first when you desire something so you go to that place that has it? He gives you the desires of your heart. Right? And they have, so you drive up. Now they've got two lanes. Down in the States, McDonald's put in a secondary lane, second lane. Because they learn from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is smarter than all the rest of them. Because they have the kids out there with little portable devices that take your order and take your money, zip a card through, and you drive up, and they've got it ready for you. It, I mean, they, they, it's unbelievable. Chick-fil-A. It's just starting to come up into Canada. They have one here in Hamilton? Not yet. I'm praying for you all. God will deliver What's the first thing you encounter at the drive through of any Tim Hortons or McDonald's or whatever you want to? The line, the menu. See, Rocky has understood this because I now, I, I, I linked on his salt. What is it? Salt, salt supper club. A lot of pictures there. The menu now has pictures. <gasps> and the menu is numbered. And you have choices. Number one. Then you look at the calories and go, no. Number two. But you have a vision. The Bible says without a vision, people perish and they cast off all restraint. In other words, if there's no vision, if you can't see something, see the devil will even use visuals to entrap you. But God is the God of sight. Eyes of faith. So when you see the menu, you have nothing yet, but you have a vision. You have an image. That image tells you what is available to you. You look at the image and you go, wow. Mm, I like that. I like that special hamburger with special sauce, lettuce, lettuce pickles, onions on a ses special sesame seed bun. And all of a sudden your juices start to flow and you've not bit into one morsel, but you have an image. We've got to paint an image of a Christ who died on a cross for us, shed his blood, that he loved us for God so loved that he gave. And God gave the greatest gift. He didn't give tithe and offering. He gave the supreme offering. He gave his only begotten son, robed him in human flesh, and allowed him to be put on a cruel Roman cross and was nailed there for you and I, that our sins might be nailed to his cross. Our sicknesses and diseases might be nailed to that cross so that we can walk away free and liberated by the power of God who said, that's on my menu, do you want it? You see the menu. You're you have nothing yet. You're driving through with faith and desire, faith will always produce desire for better. So you make a choice. Okay, I know what I want. I got it. I can almost smell it now. I can almost taste it now. And then what's the next thing? You talk to nobody, but there's a voice. 
The Lord said, this is the parable. Learn it, son. I go, oh, I learned that one a long time ago. He said, then help people understand how faith works. So you talk to a voice that you don't see what's behind the voice. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Hi, welcome to Tim Hortons. How may I help you? Can I take your order? Yeah, I'll have a number one. You're talking to the air. And then people out there says, God doesn't exist and he doesn't hear your prayers. But McDonald's does and they have no problem believing that they talk to a speaker and nobody's there. How ludicrous, how hypocritical because we haven't taught them about these wonderful principles through parables. So here I am talking. Y'all have a number one. Uh, would you like to have the, they used to say supersized. No, I'm already supersized. I'll just have the regular. You talk to somebody. You speak out of your mouth. You, want, you, you tell them what you want. That's in every restaurant. The waiter, the waitress. The server comes up, they give you a menu, it has pictures, it has everything on it, and they say, look, oh, I'll be, what do you want to drink? I'll have a, they, they bring that out first. Then they, you're looking over the menu, why? Because you have to have a vision of what you want. Then they come back, what do you want? They're not mind readers. They don't go, let me see your palm, I'll tell you what you want. <laughs> no, you have to say it, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. That's faith. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everybody who knocks. Cheap wood. I was thinking that was solid. Everybody say, faith works. But you have to drive forward in the lane of receiving, reception. So you talk to somebody. Now you're anticipating. Now you can smell. The closer you get to the window, I smell my blessing. You've not tasted one thing yet. It's by faith that you're doing because your desire took you to that place. We've got to get people so hungry, so so desirous of what we know is true in here. We've got to get them so hungry that they want to come here every Sunday to eat. But we got to come out of church going, man, that was so good. Man. And you come back again the next week because food doesn't last in your body. It is processed. It provides energy and strength and that which is not needed is passed from your body. So you keep, everybody say faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's a drive-through. I rest my case. If you don't understand that verse, it's a drive-through. So our anniversary was this past Wednesday. We were coming up here. I said, I want Rocky, if he will, if he has time to do our anniversary dinner. So I got on his site and I looked at pictures of his menu. I go, oh, I like that. That chicken slider looks good. I think I'll have that as a starter, right? And I talked to him and I told him everything we wanted and he produced it. But I had to have an image and I had to have a voice to speak it. Because nothing you do in life is, not, is without a vision 
or a voice. You can't get married without it. You can't come to church without it. Nobody, nobody sits back there and going, God, I'm singing from my spirit, but my mouth will not move. No, you ain't singing. You're imagining. I'm tired of imagination. I want realization. So you've made your order. You denied the supersized thing. You know how many calories are going to be, be, be put in your body. Then you go to another window and you don't have anything and you're not going to get anything until you give an offering. God never shows up on the earth without an offering ever. Adam and Eve sinned. God had to kill an animal as an offering to cover for their sin, animal skins that started offerings. And Adam had to teach Cain and Abel how to give an offering and Cain killed Abel over an offering because God accepted Cain's or Abel's offering over Cain. Cain brought from the fruit of the ground, which he was uh, like a farmer, but the ground was cursed. So he brought the fruit of a curse. Abel had flocks. He had herds. So he brought a firstling. He brought an honorable offering to God, an innocent animal that was used to cover the nakedness of his parents. And his dad told him, God will not accept us with our own offering. What was, what was the covering that they thought up? Fig leaves from the ground. God said, no, no, that ain't right. Cain, Cain knew that. He just wanted to do his own thing. Say, why did God reject Cain's offering and accept Abel's offering? That sounds like favoritism to me. And I think I see that in the church far too often. The figs came out of the ground. The coverings came from an innocent animal. So when Cain killed Abel, he knew he had presented to God something that God would never receive because it was from the curse. I'll give what I want. No priest is going to tell me what I have to give. I can't give 10% of my offering. I can't give 10% of my, my paycheck. Who does he think he is asking for 10%? I got taxes to pay. I pay. Keep, keep talking. So Abel... Gave God an acceptable sacrifice. All through the Bible, God even put together celebrations for his people. And in the celebrations were always offerings. How much do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want Rocky to make a dinner for you? The food costs money. His time costs money. I told him, I said, I'm giving you a tip. Because I don't know exactly what he charges, but I, I figured, well, you know. I know him, I've known him for years, know his expertise. And I just, I said, this is a tip. Amen. Hallelujah. I walked into a restaurant not long, uh, it's been a few years ago. There was a woman in there that needed hip surgery and she was going around like faster and she was the best, she was the best waitress I've ever seen. She was going around and she, she would remember if you came in a couple times before what you like to drink and all that, she would remember it. She was really good. And she was hobbling around like this. I said, what's going on? She says, I need hip surgery. I said, why are you doing it? What are you working here for? She says, well, my husband just lost his job and we lost our medical coverage. So I have to wait. And she's still working. 
dragging that. I said, my goodness. The Lord said, I want you to tip her well. So I gave her, I said, come over here. I said, the Lord spoke to me to give you this. I gave her a very large, large tip. She went back to the back room and another waitress was there. She opened her up her hand. She began to weep. She began to weep. And the waitress, the other waitress came out. She says, she can't come out. She's just crying. She says, she can't believe that, you know, you, you blessed her that much. I said, well, she's doing a job and she's serving me with a hip that's bad. I said, I have to value her time more than just a 20%. You think you put yourself in the people's shoes by the spirit of God. Amen. You know what happened after that? Next time I came in, she saw me coming through the door. She, she pushed off all the other wait, waitresses. She goes, this one's mine. <laughs> she came up. She goes, I'm putting on a, a fresh pot of coffee just for you. And I came to the table and she remembered everything about me. She said, would you like this? And she just, she get, and she brought it out, served us well. And she's a rough, she was a rough looking woman. I mean, you could tell she's been through some stuff. She was all made up, but she's rough, rough looking. But the Lord said, I love her. I sent Jesus to die for. You're a preacher. You're not in here just to eat. You're in here to serve. You're in here to bless those who bless you. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know what she is now? She's one of the managers. She became one of the managers. I brought my brother Terry. We went in to eat. She sees us, comes over. She goes, I'm now a manager. And she says, this is on me. I said, oh, no, 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 no. She goes, do not deprive me. She goes, I'm the manager. I can do what I want. And she says, this one's on me. What you sow is what you reap. Don't be a haughty, proud, arrogant. Well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been preaching now for 45. Oh, give me a break. I've been trying to be faithful for 45 years and I'm still learning what God is inputting into me, downloading into me what he wants me to do at my age. I've not arrived at anything. I'm still striving. So getting back to faith and Tim Hortons and McDonald's. So you give the offering, right? I went through McDonald's the other day and I got a Breakfast sandwich and an orange juice. It was eight dollars and something. I go, oh my goodness, eight dollars. She goes, yeah, it's ridiculous. It wasn't her fault. I didn't blame her. I said, you can't blame the waitress for bad food, but they sure get the blame. So I give the offering and I have not tasted one morsel. And the last window is where you receive, but you can't receive. And no one can receive from you if your well is dry. No hungry, no thirsty man or woman can receive from you if you have nothing in your cupboards and nothing in your well. But God wants you to have a full well and full cupboards. Shout hallelujah so that you can give to the hungry and feed them and give to the thirsty man the water. So I said, Lord, you give me money. I'm going to bless people. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. And as the money gets more and more, I get better blessings to people. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And so you get the bag and you open up and 
the smell wafts through your car and up your nostrils and you can't wait to stop and open up the bag and chow down on that which you desired and you knew that it had to be a process. Faith is a process. That's how it works. And everybody out there that makes money in business goes through this process. Everybody say process. Amen. You want legacy? then you have to understand the process. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Can you say praise God? Psalm 138.2, magnified, magnify thy word. God magnifies his word above his very name. So if you'll honor his word, you honor his name. And his name is higher than any other name. Can you say praise God? God hath highly exalted him who Jesus and has given him a name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and declaring or proclaiming him God. Proclaiming him Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can you say praise God? God doesn't recognize and acknowledge pride in any area. He recognizes humility. Humility is not with your head down, walking like, man, I'm just a humble Christian. No, get your head up and start counting the stars and not your scars. Put a smile on your face because what's humility? Turkeys aren't eagles. If a turkey tries to act like an eagle, that's foolish. God didn't make the turkey to be an eagle nor the, tur the eagle to be a turkey. The eagle flies high on the thermals of, of the winds and up around, around the rocky cliffs. And an eagle is a humble bird because it's doing what God put in his DNA to do. God put in your DNA to be saved by the power of the truth of the word of God made flesh. And you walk around not with your head down, but your head up, your shoulders square, walking as a soldier in the army of the Lord with a word in your mouth because you hid it in your heart and you give an answer to every man or woman who asks you a reason of the hope that's inside of you. And when you speak out of your mouth, the word of God creates an atmosphere and it puts down every negative, every demon atmosphere and and raises up the name of God Jehovah over the problem of your life so you walk in confidence of a child of God as a warrior who's a winner. Praise God. I never lose. I win. You win. You don't lose. You weren't made to lose. You were made to win. And you win through the word. Not your feelings, not the facts of what you're going through, but what God already did for you through Christ on the cross. And I'm telling you, when he went into a borrowed tomb, he knew he's only going to be there a little while. Three days and he got up. God's about resurrection, not death. But it takes a seed in the ground that has to die before it can re be resurrected into the harvest of life. Except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it stays a kernel of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. For in the DNA of Jesus was the fruit of the earth of humanity. He died, he really died. You know what tomb he was in? He was in a tomb that had never been used and it was a rich man's tomb. He sold his life and he was put in the best tomb that was ever hewn out of rock. 
And he came out the third day morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. He raised, never to die again. He became the first fruits of them that slept. What does that mean? It means when Jesus died, that he died for you and me. When he got up, he got up for you and me. And he got up as the first fruit of the harvest. So 50 days after the Passover is Pentecost last Sunday. 50 is a, is a time of celebration. It's called Jubilee. At the Jubilee of Israel, every 50 years, all debts are canceled. If you study the, uh, uh, the celebration of Jubilee, it's powerful. And a man gets his land back that he leased out to somebody. He gets the land deed back. That's the only way to bring balance to any human society is a jubilee. Raise your hand and say, we're in jubilee. So 50 days after Jesus offered himself, rose, he, the Holy Spirit came. How many souls were added to the church on the day of Pentecost by the Holy Spirit? Anybody know out of the book of Acts chapter 2? 3,000 souls started the church. The church the Pentecostal church is the oldest church on, hist on record in history. Not the Catholic. Pentecostal is the oldest church. And the church was born out of a seed named Jesus who died. And when he came forth, he came forth so that we could come forth in this resurrection power through salvation. And you can't get saved until you understand the, the word of the kingdom. Winning with words is what? When I hear a word preached from a preacher in a platform in a pulpit, all of a sudden conviction comes on me and I know I need to repent. Repentance is not mental assent. It's conviction of the heart and confession with the mouth that redemption is released. You can't even be saved without speaking. Father, I'm a sinner. In the name of Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm tired of being separated from you, and I no longer will. I'm making a choice never to be separated from you again. Therefore, I will confess the truth, who is robed in flesh. The, the truth, the word became flesh. I'm going to accept Christ as my Savior, and immediately all your sins are forgiven. And God takes them from you as far as the east is from the west. In other words, they can't be found again. Someone said, what is that like? Well, everybody, how many have computers? What God did when you confessed your sins to him and asked Jesus into your heart, he took your sins and deleted the whole file. It can't be found. Now, the devil will try to keep parts of that file and bring it up. Yeah, but this, no, it's deleted. I'm sorry. Hit the road, Jack. Don't come back no more, no more. See, the problem is we remember our sins. We remember we have a mind. We remember the bad days. We remember what we did wrong. But all of a sudden, God said, stop that. You're insulting my work by remembering your sin. I forgot it. I deleted it. I removed it. It's never coming back. Give me praise and glory. And you'll begin to win souls who don't think they can be saved. And the reason some won't be saved is because people in the church can't even hardly grasp the truth that they are saved. Yeah, but I had these thoughts yesterday. So did I. But the thoughts of my mind do not disqualify the reality of my salvation because I don't act upon my thoughts. I act upon the word of truth. Hallelujah. 
And the Bible says, if what we do condemns us, we have an advocate with the Father through Jesus Christ. We go to him and say, forgive me, Lord. He just wipes it away. just like it never happened. But we walk around in condemnation all the time. Oh, my thoughts are all over the map. Guess what? That's everybody in here. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care if it's me or the person uh, in the very last row or whoever. Our thoughts try to condemn us all the time. But the Bible says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, when a thought comes, you go, shut up. And you grab it. You lead it to the cross and say, die. And it has to die. Don't sit there and stew in the thought. Grab that thought and bring it down by the power of your praise and an upraised hand saying, I'm redeemed. I received Christ. This will not enslave me ever again. I'm making up my mind to receive by faith what God did for me. Somebody shout up in him. Glory be to God. Matthew 12, words condemn or they acquit. By your words you're justified, acquitted, or by your words you're condemned. Death and life, Proverbs 18, are in the authority of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So you love what you say, or you wouldn't say it. For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Fill your heart with the word. The abundance of your words are the word of God. Can you say praise God? Hallelujah. So I fill my heart with the word. I read it. I speak it out loud. I go where pre preachers are preaching it, and it produces faith in me to act. And sometimes I stand in line waiting to be the next one to read the menu. But I know at the end of that line, there is the results of my faith through the process of the vision of the words I speak to the box, the unseen, and then I'll give an offering. Nobody goes through that line going, ha, I'm not paying for anything. That stupid clown has more money than I ever hoped to have. I ain't paying him one red cent, but I'll eat his stuff. <laughs> that attitude will get you kicked out of the line. Raise your hand and say, it's simple. We just have to understand it in the form of a parable. But now faith is the substance of things I hope for. I don't see it yet, but I'm getting closer. I can start to smell it, and I know I'm going to enjoy it. My tongue and my mouth is watering ah, just at the thought of the blessing. But when the tangibility of what you desire comes to you and you begin to bite down into the glory of God and the glory is like a cloud, it, it enshrouds you. Everybody say, Israel was led by God in the wilderness. By what? Pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The pillar of fire by night. Sometimes God said, we're moving at night. They didn't say, well, I don't have any flashlight. That pillar of fire provided light, comfort, and direction. And they just followed. All God's asking you to do is follow the word. 
Pillar of fire means the Holy Spirit because on the day of Pentecost, a pillar of fire, little pillars of fire set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So fire represents light, comfort, and it destroys all of the unnecessary and unneed, unneedful or unneeded things in your life. The dross, it purifies. Can you say me? When you follow God and you follow his cloud, you follow the cloud by day and the fire by night. Even the cloud kept the, the strong heat of the UV rays of the sun, kept them comforted by that cloud. So God said, I'm going to protect them. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. 40 years. Why did they wonder for 40 years? Because of what they said. How many remember the story of the spies? God sent, God told the his leader said, send spies into the land where I'm taking you. Ten spies, right? They went in. The majority came back with an evil report. What's the evil report? The factual report. Oh, yeah, there's, there's grapes. Well, they're great. As big as your fist. One grape satisfy you. Milk flowing. Milk and honey. Ooh, it's great. Yeah, all those things are there that he said was there. But there are giants in the land. They're great walled cities. They're people of war. We can't do this. The majority spoke that. Only two, the minority said, Joshua and Caleb said, hey, wait a minute. God said we're able. Let's believe what he says instead of what these clowns are saying. They're speaking out of the facts. God is speaking to us by faith that he will be with us and we're going in to possess the land. Glory, raise your hand and say, don't let the majority talk you out of the blessing. Don't say, I can't. Say, I can. Joshua and Caleb said, and Caleb especially said, we are well able to go in and possess the land. Let's go up at once. Stop this nonsense. Stop this arguing. Stop it. God never said it would be just a walk in the park. We have to, we have to give ourselves to that vision. And we have to fight for it. Glory be to God. You know, Caleb was the one that wanted the land of the Anakims of the giants. It wasn't just Goliath. He had other brothers. So Caleb, after when he was 80 years old, they came into the land of promise. He waited for everybody to get their land. He comes up to Joshua. He said, all right, it's my turn. It's my turn. I want the land that you promised me. I want the land of the Anakims. He said, when I left Egypt, I was strong. He said, I'm as strong now as I was when I left Egypt. And I want my land and I want the ones that came. I want the giant's land. I want people to know that I would have been faithful to God. And I'll take this land right here where the giants who threaten us all the time to take us out and defeat us. I want their land. And if there's any left, I'll take care of them. Nobody else have to come. Well, that's arrogance. And that's just so, so prideful. And what a statement that is. He knew in his soul what faith would do. And he said, I don't care about what anybody else is saying. I know what I'm saying. I want that land. It's my turn. So when I took the church I'm in, there was quite a, a big uh, debt over the property in the building. And we paid that off, burned the mortgage, had a big celebration, dinner on the grounds. We burnt the mortgage. Then, then I started... A gymnasium. We had uh, we put as much cash as we could in it, and uh, so I had to get a loan from the bank to complete it. I think it was about five hundred thousand dollars, 
And we paid that off some years ago. We had another celebration, had a big barbecue. We burnt that mortgage. And we became debt free as a church. We've, we've got all digital stuff now. I got this huge LED screen, paid 40 grand for it, paid, paid cash. We pay for everything now. We don't go to a bank. We got, L, we got LED stuff. We got everything. And I'm 67. I want the best. God, I told my, our people, I don't care if it's West Virginia. God's people deserve the best. I just put a new sign down by the road. It's LED and you change it on your iPad. I had an older version. It had to do, do with a hard, hard computer, but now you can, I can change it like from Canada and change the sign today. <laughs> just had that installed, paid for it. Praise God. So my wife and I, we bought a brand new home back in 1998. And then we refinanced it to a lower, a lower uh, interest rate. So after all this happened, I said, now, Lord, it's my turn. I want my, I want my house paid for. So we owed about 10 grand on it just a few weeks ago. And I told the Lord, it's my turn. I put, the, I put your house first and I'll always put your house first. All I'm asking you is that you now bless me. Was that arrogance? Was that pride? Were you giving God a directive? No, I was just saying, Lord, it's my turn. I know the process. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. So I'm just going by the word. So someone came up to me uh, about three weeks ago and handed me a check for $10,000. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We sent the last payment in on the house. We're waiting for the deed to come through the mail. We own our home in Jesus' name. The, the church is debt-free. The Lord said, get, he told me many years ago, get the church out of debt, keep it out of debt. He foresaw what was going on in the economy and everything. He said, get this church out of debt. When the people come in, I don't want debt hanging over their head. So I have to have faith. I have to have faith. Praise God. I have to use my faith. And I have to ask the people to join your faith with mine. And let's see what God will do. Can you say praise God? I want this church to have such faith that people, and, and they're starting to, they notice who you are, but it's not what it's going to be. Someone say, it's not what it's going to be. So you can't get saved without words. You can't get married without words. Everybody knows you get, come to the altar, you get married. It's vowels. V-O-W-S. Not A-E-I-O-U, sometimes Y. You speak to each other your confession and your vows. I take you, I take you. Where are you taking me? I'm taking you to the land of promise and dreams and fulfillment and blessing. So when you're done with the vows, the preacher who represents God speaks a blessing over you and speaks you into oneness. I now pronounce you husband and wife. Therefore, what God have joined together, let not any man put asunder. Lift your hand and say, that's marriage. Marriage is not the legal document that is signed and given to, raise your hand and say, it's not the legal document. That's in the eyes of man. In the eyes of God, it's your words to each other. So you're not married when the document gets to the courthouse. You're married when you've complete your confession to each other. You can't go anywhere. You go buy a car. You just can't walk around. The salesman comes up and wants to talk to you. And you don't want to talk to the salesman. 
but you can't get a car unless you talk to somebody. Try to think of anything you do in this world that you want, you desire, that you don't have to speak. Right? Even if you're getting cash out of a machine, you have to speak in code. If you don't speak the right code, you don't get the money. Right? Everything's about words. Words are created in codes now, and computer programmers have codes so that you can see, you can do. So everything I do. So when I come to the house, I said, Lord, I want to be a giver in this last hour. I want to give for God's so love the world that he gave. Tithing should never be a question. And above that, I've always given offerings. Always. Always give offerings. At the end of a camp meeting we had, and every service we gave money, some of those checks were pretty large. And in your mind, your finite mind says, you know, you could have put that against the mortgage and get it paid off quicker. But you know what? The 10,000 didn't come until I gave in that camp meeting in April. So what I gave in obedience to God to see souls saved in this around the world, it was my brother's camp meeting, to see souls saved, you give. Because my brother takes a tent into cities and he doesn't take offerings. Because a lot of people are poor and the, and the, you've got the, the fathers of the cities that are mayors and whatever, governors. They just see preachers coming in to take the poor people's money. So what we do is we finance people where my brother goes and preaches. He receives offering for the meeting. He's in, uh, where is it now? He's in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, setting up his tent in a very impoverished area, drug-ridden area, and people are getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and set free. And he also brings trucks in to give away food and other things, backpacks for the kids, whatever. And it's all taken care of because people in a church like this give so that souls can be saved and they don't have to feel the weight of, well, I wonder if that preacher is going to ask to take an offering. Well, somebody might come up and give the preacher an offering and say, I know how this works, preacher, and here's an offering. I just want to say thank you for coming. But he doesn't get up and receive a general offering from those people who are poor. We go in with the supply already paid for so that people can receive the blessing of the Lord. And when they get saved and they get healed and miracles are flowing, guess what? Then they give glory to God and not man. Raise your hand and say, it's time that we give because love always gives. Love always gives. Hallelujah. I said, Hallie, you ever been through a drive-thru? I, I went through one not long ago, and I got to the drive-thru, and the, the lady said, oh, uh, the person in front of you paid for your, you know, pay it forward kind of thing. So what did I do? I just said, well, okay, I'm going to pay for the person behind me. Amen. No, I ain't getting away for nothing, with nothing. You don't walk away with nothing, you know, not responsible for anybody. I said, I'll pay for the person behind me. Had my money out. I'm not going to expend the energy to put it away. It cost me to get up in the morning. It cost me to hold out my hand. So that's my mindset. At my age, everything costs something. But God is the provider. And when I give, when I think I can't, God always gives what I think will never come. Because what you sow is what you reap. How many believe this is a season for this church, this legacy church in Hamilton, and also Kitcher, it's your season to walk by faith and not by sight. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. 
and not by sight. Sight means facts. Faith means truth. So I'm not going to see what is and say, I can't do that. You say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To get my house paid off, I had to release offerings in a meeting. And I wasn't doing it for that. I just said, I know I need to give because souls will be saved by these offerings. That's paramount. That's priority in my mind is people getting saved, whether it be here or West Virginia or a city in the United States. It's imperative. It's important that people hear the gospel because that's how faith comes. Can you say praise God? How many of you want to walk in faith and stop walking by facts and sight? How many received this message today? I had many scriptures and they can print them out or whatever, but I just, I wanted to speak what's in the Bible. It's important to understand these things. How many are going to start walking by faith in a larger capacity and degree than you ever have? Why? For Canada needs people of faith. They don't need a denomination. They don't need another church. They need a people of faith. Can you say praise God? Can you say praise God? Hallelujah. Uh, just bow your heads for a moment. The Bible says, Matthew 12, and I tell you this, you must give a, an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Idle means useless words. If you're speaking a word that's contrary to the Bible, that's a useless word. God records those words. And when you speak against the truth, then you put the facts, you put your soul realm above the truth and you disqualify yourself from the blessing and benefit of the truth. Let's not do that anymore. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't pray him out of the tomb. He spoke him out of the tomb. When he said, roll away the stone, then Jesus looked to heaven. He said, Father, I want to thank you that you always hear me when I pray. And because of that, now I'm going to do something so that your name will receive glory. And I'm speaking this so that all will hear me and know you and I are connected and we have power and authority on the earth. And as the stone was rolled away, Jesus said just a few simple words. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. He commanded him out. He commanded life into him. That's all you need is a word. I say, I am the healed of the Lord. Let the sick say, I am well. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.